All right, welcome back indeed. Uh, episode number 43, Razball Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Uh, I'm in New York, so I got I had to download all the new software. I actually don't know if I can upload the uh, the intro music to it. So, um, you know, I know that's like the, the calling card. So I apologize if, if that's the only reason why you tune into this. Um, I am uh, humbled and honored once again to bring back Joel. Uh, you guys know Joel's writer. Uh, he slayed the Raz uh, Jam last year. Uh, he brings his expertise, and um, I was about to say culinary, but uh, writing expertise as well. Maybe culinary. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out about that soon. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, we wanted to get on because we just finished uh, a new league for. Rasball Salary Cap League, 30-team team league, super deep. We just finished up the auction, and Joel and I were just, um, you know, just messaging back and forth about a, a bunch of different things. And I actually think, I was thinking about it, I think I'm going to write an article about deep leagues uh, auction stuff because, you know, I used to always do some research, and you really don't find too much information about, you know, deep leagues. But um, I think this pod will be pretty helpful for those uh for both doing auction leagues and for deep leagues, um, you know, Joel, just talking to Joel, I mean, he was, you know, messaging a, a, a ton of really insightful stuff. So uh, I think that's going to be great. So uh, to kind of change up the format, uh, which is nice for me, because usually I'm just talking into the abyss by myself. Um, I'm going to write shotgun this one. Joel's going to take care. Uh, you know, he's going to be the Vin Diesel. He's going to push the pedal to the metal. Uh, press the Nas, do all that stuff. Um, so without further ado, Joel, what's going on, my man? Well, sorry, I appreciate it. Um, in case you were wondering what second prize in the Raz Jam is, it's that you you now have to be the uh, a co-host on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> if, I, if I had won, I could have just uh, kept listening to you, but now I'm going to have to do my own thing here. <laughs> so um, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about this because – um, I, I don't know what we just did. <laughs> it's, it's still technically going on. I guess there are a couple of yeah. last teams being put together with dollar guys. Um, but I've never played in a league this size before of this kind of depth before. Um, I think a lot of the people that are interested in this kind of thing might want to know some of the things that we might've taken away from it because it is a totally different kind of animal here. Um, I know that you've played in uh, leagues of this size before. It doesn't sound like too many of them. Um, so I, I'm excited to sort of pick your brain a little bit and, and share some insights with, with the people about what this whole thing was. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we should probably start at the beginning with, with format. Like San said, it's a, it's 30 team dynasty. Um, and it's a $200 auction budget that also serves a $200 hard cap in the league. And there's been lots of consternation already about how to, <laughs> how to deal with the cap difficulties because everyone spent all their money. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's sort of broad strokes what it is. You have to, you must roster 13 players at a time minimum. Um, you have up to five developmental slots for players who have played fewer than 50 games. Um, and 30 teams means like, you know, you're, you're starting to 
create a team in whatever image you have in your mind with the auction format too. There, there's no sniping on draft picks. If you want a guy, you can go get him. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of enthusiasm for, for get, people getting their guys, particularly early in the draft with some of the money that was going off the board. Um, but before we get into what happened, I, I was wondering if you had any plans or thoughts pre-draft, any things that you were drawing on uh, because of your, your previous experience with drafts of this size. Um, right. And we'll okay. get to, to me and the, my lack of one. Okay. Yeah, we'll go on to that. So the history is um, I did a 32-team uh, football NFL draft, full IDP. And, oh, my God, it was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, it was just so much fun. And so from there, it kind of branched out like, oh, man, I want to do this. So then I actually created my own 32-team IDP football league. And then from there, um, I did the uh, the RDA, so the 30-team hoops league. Uh, someone in that hoops league went and then created a baseball team kind of off that to branch out. Uh, and then four, wait, so football, yeah, so three, football, baseball, basketball. So after that, um, I wanted to do this league because uh, as much fun as the original 30-team hoops leagues was, the RDA, like there were definitely some structural issues with it. And I wanted to kind of create, try to create like a perfect league. And, you know, I was like, in order to fix that other league, you know, we would have to redraft basically. And so I get it. A lot of teams built their teams, like they're dope. So, you know, <laughs> I was able to get, right. Uh, obviously all the, you know, owners on board. So, you know, that, that, that league is still going fine, but I did want to, you know, create a new league that kind of learned from all of those things that, you know, the mistakes or like the craziness that I saw that, you know, what are the, whether it be loopholes or whatnot, um, yeah, so I wanted to try to fix that. So I felt like the incorporation of the salary cap uh, would do that. Um, I think one of the the real problems with the original league was that, like, it was super fun because it was like the Wild Wild West. No one knew what the fuck they were doing. They're just doing shit. But the main issue became um, the, the the trading was just insane. You know, like just people mortgaging futures and there was there was kind of no like cap and the fact that it was full dynasty and there were no contracts so you know once you get a player like you got him for life right so yeah. um very little roster turnover like the trades like yeah i mean they were cool it was fun a lot of excitement but like it was, you know it was getting it was kind of ridiculous right so like in terms of like the balance of the league like for the long-term viability of the league it probably wasn't the, the healthiest way to go about it so that was kind of the main reason why why I wanted to do a new league, and I felt like salary cap uh, and contracts would kind of alleviate a lot of those issues. And so, going into it, um, strategy wise, so I think there's a huge difference. Like these leagues are all daily transactions leagues, and so because of that, so I think. In general, a deep league, the deeper league that you go, I think the less viable stars and scrub strategy is. Um, just because, you know, in a normal league, a 12-team league, 
Um, you you know, there's you can find guys off the waiver wire very easily to kind of like fill in, right? But in a deep league, it's almost impossible. In a 30 team, it's almost impossible, right? Like so, minutes are truly gold. Um, you know, you're gonna find guys that you know play five minutes or you know two way players or G League guys, and that's just not gonna cut it. And like, man, if your high price guy gets hurt, like you're toast. And you know, so the daily transactions actually really is a huge variable that I think a lot of people overlooked um, because, you know, I mean, those guys at the bench, I mean, even if they play only 15 minutes, 20 minutes, like if they're playing, you know, four games or whatnot, I mean, those counting stats really, they accumulate, right. Compared to guys. So my strategy going into it was I wanted to, so, okay, sorry for rambling here, but my first initial foray into, into it was, uh, I, I kind of had a decent idea that Stars and Scrubs probably isn't the optimal way to go about it. But my first draft, I kind of got caught in the moment, you know, like, man, like, and, you know, I'm sure you'll go into it, right? But, like, man, it's just so exciting. Freaking dollars are flying all over the place. Bullets are flying. You're like, ah, get in there, get in there, right? And so I felt like I was pretty, pretty disciplined, but... I kind of felt like, man, once you see all the stars going off, you kind of start panicking, right? And you're like, oh, shit, I need to get one. So in the initial draft, you know, I, I, went, I went with Bam out of bio. And so, you know, he definitely took up a lot, a, a huge percentage of my cap. And then I kind of filled in from there. And it, it, it didn't deviate too much from my initial budget. But then, you know, from that experience, I realized that my initial budget was flawed, was flawed to begin with, right? So I definitely um, changed it for this one. So uh, just generally, like, so I think I have a pretty good idea with, like, auctions, like, how to do it, because I do a lot for football and things like that. So budgeting has been um, pretty good. So, what you know, what I do is basically just kind of, like, I'm going to allocate this, this amount of money for each position and then just go down there. So for this this particular draft... I was like, it, it kind of broke down to like, I wanted, I allocated $20 for like, I think it was like six, six starters. And then basically the rest was all 10 bucks. Um, I think there was one slot there for like 25. So basically my thinking of it was, you know, I'm going to fall behind on the high end guys, but like, I'm going to, you know, eat in the middle. But I think the key for me was when it got down to the last five, five guys, the bench guys, like I wanted a ten dollar player versus everyone else having one or two dollar player, and I felt like the advantage would be would be so huge, especially because of the daily transactions, right? Um, so that was my initial plan. I mean, it it kind of deviated a little bit because I, yeah. I did have to spend up a little bit, so I had to keep you know reallocating my budget. Um, I think I was pretty happy with how it eventually ended, but yeah, near the end, I didn't end up with all the ten dollar guys. So um, because I think Joel. You know, you bid me up a few times, you jerk. Uh, so you know, I had to, I had to uh, reallocate. But um, yeah. So that was my, that was my um, initial, I guess, thoughts and plans going into it. All right. So sorry about the the rambling there. Uh, go for it. Well, I mean, did you have you had a lot to cover because like you you had previous experience, which was more than I could say for myself, and it's definitely more than I could say that I think that a lot of people could say in this draft room. Um. Because what you were describing earlier about like money coming off the board early um, and like, you know, people just getting excited in the draft. You've got a full budget um, 
and you start seeing these names come off and you, and you want to get a, a piece of it. So um, the most expensive player was Jokic, of course. Um, he went for almost half this, uh, this manager's budget. Crazy. I think like $96, $97. I mean, I, um, I didn't necessarily have a plan coming in. Um, I certainly didn't have like uh, dollar amounts tied to slots. Um, having never played in a league this size, having never played a dynasty basketball league, um, initially my thought coming in was like I wanted, I wanted to have a guy that I could build around, which I don't think is an uncommon thing. Um, I think that's why you saw some of the, the bidding that happened in that first day, the first, you know, 50 players taken was there was that desire to have your, your sort of core piece and then you can do it from there. And so, um, yeah, the bullets started flying and I, uh, I had to jump in. It turns out, (laughs) um, a thing, a thing that happened that, uh, that I think is a trap that, many of our league mates fell into. And if you're considering playing a 30 team league, this will be something that you'll have to navigate is um, relative value of players uh, based on dollar amount. So for example, when, when you see Jokic or Antetokounmpo going for, you know, 35, 40, 45% of the budget, and you look down the list and you're like, well, you know, then LaMelo ball at, uh, at 33% of the budget doesn't seem like a bad buy. And you you're basing your prices off of what the the market in in the league is dictating, as opposed to having a plan like you and saying like, I'm going to spend X percent uh, on my, on my first slot. And that's, that's a slippery slope. And I think you can really, you, I think you can, that's a mistake you can make once is you can, you can sort of get pulled in by the, uh, the betting or the action of your league mates um, and go go much higher above your sort of what you had projected for your first player. Um, and that's what happened to me. Um, I wanted uh, I wanted a guy to build around. It's a dynasty league. That I should have mentioned at the top. Uh, contracts do not escalate. So the the price you pay in the draft is theoretically the price you could pay for as long as eight years, um, which really puts uh, rookies and younger players at a premium. Um, because you're, you're buying into that upside and, and locking them into a price. And so my, the first person on my roster um, was Scotty Barnes, $57. Um, and in retrospect, like that's probably more money than I should have spent on Scotty. Um, but he, he did sort of check the box for me of like having a guy that I could build around. And um, as I was thinking about this, I had to start going ahead. No, 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 go. Sorry. No, I, I wasn't. Oh, pardon I was just me. coughing. I had, a, I had a frog in my throat. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were, you were finally getting out what you had to say about my $57 Scotty. No, no, um, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of the, you know, I, I, I did enough prep to think that of the, pl- of the young players that I was interested in acquiring, Scotty was player number one for me um, because of his his category template. Um, I mean, he, he was the 66th or 65th best player as a rookie last year. And he got to play a lot of point guard for, uh, for Nick nurse and the Raptors. 
he's not quite a one-one-one player, but he's right there. You can sort of see as the shooting comes along, the threes should bump up. The defensive stats will be solid. He gives you assists out of position as a forward. Um, the the field goal percentage is strong. Free throw percentage doesn't really kill you. I I felt like if you're gonna pay pay a premium for young talent, um, and this this league definitely made you pay a premium for rookies or first year guys. Um, that Barnes was the guy that I that I wanted to get. Um, and after that, I had to do a lot of adjusting. But um, yeah, fifty seven fifty seven dollars Scotty Barnes was my man. Um, and then I just sort of kept watching the world burn. You guys, you were part of a group of people that were on the sidelines watching all of this going and the price enforcing and, and money flying around, probably just uh, the Jack Nicholson meme here, just nodding and, yes. and taking it all in. So I, so Scotty Barnes is too much money for 57 bucks, huh? I thought it was. Um, and, you know, it's a good point what you were saying about, you know, relative value, right? It's... Uh, and, you know, I had this thought, you know, during the during the draft of Will, and I, I kind of conveyed it to you during the, you know, while we were messaging. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, so, like, I, I trade, right? Like, I used to trade for a living. And so, you know, I've been through many, many different markets. And, like, you know, there was this, you know, kind of a theory or a book, you know, the efficient market hypothesis, the efficient market theory. And so, you know, the theory is that, you know, everybody has access to the same amount of information. And so because of that, uh, the markets will always be efficient, right? But unfortunately, markets don't operate that way, right? Because, you know, that that theory does not incorporate human emotion. And basically, that's all markets are. It's all human, you know, it's fear and greed and emotion, right? And so like, you know, just going through this auction, like, that's exactly what it felt like, right? Like you could feel the FOMO, right? You could feel the YOLO, you know, you're reading the chats and like, you know, like, I mean, it's very, it was a very akin to like, you know, reading all like the, the crypto bros on Twitter, you know, or whatnot. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same shit, you know, and it's crazy, right? And, um, you know, like, I mean, you know, I traded through the dot-com bubble, traded to the housing bubble, traded to it all, you know? So it's like, it, it's just crazy how like, things connect like that right <laughs> right it's just yeah. just so so you know relationships so you know in terms of like relative value like you know even currently right like you know um you know bitcoin was at thirty thousand sixty thousand dollars you know last year man at thirty dollars that thousand dollars is cheap shit but what if the intrinsic value is fucking zero <laughs> it does you know what i'm saying so so i mean that was a really good point what you said you know a lot of people like you know they were like yeah oh, man you know Jokic is 90, Giannis is 80, right? I mean, fuck, this guy's a bargain at 50, right? But, you know, if you really break it down, like, it really isn't, right? But, you know, at the same time, it, it, you know, it kind of goes into, you know, it's like art, right? Like, the price of art is some of whatever someone's willing to pay for, right? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, granted, it's a little different, right? Because, you know, salary cap and things like that. So, um, but, you know, with that said, um, there's many paths to victory, Right. And and even though I say I don't think Stars and Scrubs is optimal, um, I mean, who's to say that a Stars and Scrub team can't win? Right. Like, so, you know, what if there's a bunch of injuries that kill other teams? Those guys stay high and they go crazy. You know, you find your, you know, your dollar, two dollar guys that bust out. I mean, so, 
you know, I'm not saying that it's completely possible. I just, the, the probabilities of doing it are definitely lessened, right? Now, bringing it back to your team, I did think that Barnes was, was too expensive, right? 57, but, you know, um, and that, that's kind of like what, what I did with BAM in my first year, right? I think it was almost close to the same percentage amount that I paid for BAM, right? You know, relatively speaking, the cap and things like that. But, you know, looking at your squad, I think you filled it out pretty well. Right. And it's funny because I had KCP in, in my initial draft too with, with Bear. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of have to, you know, fill in with those guys, you know, the Reggie Bullocks of the world, the, the KCPs of the world, um, you know, Grayson Allen's of the world. Right. So, um, all things considering, you know, I do think that you've, you did a pretty good job filling out your roster because if, if I'm rem remembering correctly, in my first draft, while I did fill out, you know, those guys, you know, I, I had, like fucking Alex Lynn and like <laughs> she felt like turds like that, right? <laughs> like you can't have turds like that, right? So I don't really see turds on your team. Um, you know, Jackson Hayes is probably the one guy that's maybe a little questionable just because, yeah, you know, like I don't know, there could be some sort of playing time issues there. You know, Zion's healthy and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no Alex Lynn's on your team, so I think you did a a pretty good job uh, filling in the rest of your roster. Um, so yeah, nice job by you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I agree. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, it's like, because of the setup of this league, like you really end up sort of drafting the team that you want, or if you haven't, uh, completely hamstrung yourself by your budgeting, you end up getting guys that you feel okay about. And I, I would hope that many of the people that are walking out of this draft when it finally ends, feel okay about what they've done here. Um, I do want to back up just a little bit. So yeah. I had, like I said, I had Barnes kind of circled. I knew that he'd be expensive. I felt okay to pay it, especially after seeing, um, I think I did, I did a, I charted the first 30 picks. I think Barnes was the 14th most expensive player. Okay. So I felt like it was an overpay. Um, but I also felt like other people had also overpaid. Um, and this is, if you can say anything about what I did to prep for this is what you can say is that I learned the pool. I really feel like I have a much stronger grasp of players 250 to 400 than I ever have before. Uh, and so I was able, I felt like I can, I can overpay early because I'm going to make it up on the back end with value. Um, and we'll see if that was successful or not, but, what I wanted to ask you was, did you have a single player in mind? Your your highest, the highest salary players on your roster are both twenty seven dollars with Franz Wagner and Alperin Shangun. I think Anthony Simons at twenty six was actually your first buy. Yeah. Um, was there were any of those guys people that you were interested in coming in, or or how would, how did you approach the particular uh, players as you were coming into this thing? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have any targets. I had no lists. Um, so for me, like I said, it was, I had it, I had it budgeted by money. Um, and that's pretty much yeah. what it came down to. And then, so, you know, I know from my experience with football drafts, like, you know, you have to kind of reconfigure the budgets and things like that. Uh, you know, you spend here, you take away money from another position, just kind of just reallocate it like that. And, you know, the, the puzzle, uh, is constantly shifting depending on what you do. Um, what, and then from there, it's really about the market, right? And so, um, I think, 
the mistake that I made in the very first, my very first one was that I panicked, right? Because I, I didn't, you know, because it, we're going into the unknown. I, I didn't know what the light looked like. I didn't know what the floor looked like. Right. And so uh, after that first draft and kind of going through the league and seeing what's important and what's not, and then seeing, um, seeing the floor from those teams that came out of it. And then, then I, I kind of had a better conception of things. And then like looking at the player pool this year, I basically just, you know, I, I had the rankings uh, and I just divvied it up into different positions. And so ba I basically was like, like I just used a basic cutoff of 30. Like, so the 30th player at each position and I just kind of looked up, up and down five. And I was, I was like, okay, so do I feel comfortable with this guy? you know so where like where's the cutoff you know so where am i like oh shit i don't like this guy right so then i probably have to kind of move up you know the guys that i'm kind of like so so i guess it's more tier based um and so then when mm -hmm. i was just watching the market in the beginning um you know i knew that the high price guys were going to go so i just wishing for money to get up, come off the table uh so my you know i guess generally my eye was you know in like probably um I was probably focused in like the 20, 20th area for each position. And then I'm kind of seeing, you know, uh, who's there, uh, what are the prices, um, if somebody was going to fall. Uh, so, you know, I, I would have been prepared to pay, you know, certain maybe maybe go up above if, you know, one of the studs fell, right? Um, but, yeah, I, I, I was definitely very flexible. Um, and you know me, I'm all about the Bruce Lee, right, mantra, like be like water, um, right? And so – but I, I really think the, the thing that really helped me out with that was because I had a conception of what the floor was, of what the player floor was. And, uh, you know, prior, I panicked because I didn't. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was a huge thing for me. I think that's a really smart point. I mean, it's about the floor. I mean, I kept on I kept on sort of running into a strange – well, I guess it wasn't strange because I – it was a product of the choices that I made, but where I would, um, so after I bought Barnes, I knew that I had just taken out a huge pile of money and I knew that, um, the only sort of prudent course of action would be to wait until my stacks sort of caught up with the rest of the board. Um, patience is like probably the most important <laughs> tool in your bag Definitely. in a 30 team league. And if you can pair it with what you just said about knowing what the floor is, chances are you don't need the guy you think you need because right. there's a guy behind him that's going to give you the similar sort of stat base. And I think what you said about not having targets makes a lot of sense, too, because, like, you know, it still is a numbers game. Right. Yeah. And if you're out here and you're looking for minutes and you're looking for guys that will accumulate stats over the course of a year, um, I think we were, we were talking about this with the the Warriors backcourt, which was, I mean, the Warriors inflation in this draft was intense. And so Curry went for 60, Thompson went for 25, Kaminga went for 22, Moses went for 15, uh, Dante probably went for 10. And all those guys are great players, champions. Uh, they don't play more games than anyone else in the league. They don't play more minutes. Their, their games aren't longer. Um, and so there's there's only so much more value that the high end is going to give you 
then the guy who's going to give you 30 minutes on a bad team or, or 30 minutes on, uh, on non elite production. So you can, you can, once you start sort of stripping away who these guys are and your conceptions of like, Oh, well, that's Kevin Durant or that's Giannis or whatever, you can start to see a little bit of like, well, how much is the difference between missing, uh, missing Clay Thompson at $25 and getting two guys for $12 and $8? Like, are you really missing out on that much production? And so what you're saying about like being able to understand what the floor is, like there are not only are there 30 teams in our league, there are 30 teams out there and all of them have to play 48 minutes a night. You know, the, all those minutes are always available. So the, the floor thing is super real. There was, there definitely were moments of panic where I thought that I was going to, you know, I'd been saving for a guy. Um, I was saving for Walk Kessler, who ended up on your team. Um, and I, because I'd spent so much money on Scotty early, I didn't have the dough to get it. And what ended up happening is Walker Kessler, the $15 that I didn't get to spend on Walker Kessler turned into, uh, like $5 on JaVale McGee and, uh, $8 on Contavious Caldwell Pope. And just like, well, yeah. these guys have jobs. Yeah. They, they're going to, they're going to fill it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, if you haven't done it before, you sort of get, you definitely get caught up in the moment of like, I got, if I don't get him, then who am I going to get? And like, probably someone else, you know, Yeah. <laughs> probably someone else will play. Yeah. That, you know, that's, uh, um, that, so you weren't, so you didn't have any targets. No, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So I was just kind of add on to like the whole, uh, the whole thing there because like options are, are very, you know, there's ebbs and flows right um in terms of like uh how much money is going and things like that and i think you know option 101 books and all the the websites you know they always tell you like a lot of money goes up top in the you know for the studs but then at the same time sometimes it's dangerous to wait to the end because you know if you're waiting and there's other people waiting too for the same guy right those guys could actually become more overpriced so you know that did happen you know quite a few times uh in this draft uh so like in terms of like you know, you're mentioning like floor and, and things like that targets. Um, at, there is a time and, you know, we were talking, we were messaging about this, you know, quite a few times, like, uh, oh man, it was the four forwards. Oh yeah. So we're talking about like, you know, coming down to like, uh, positions and things like that players at positions. So I remember, I think it was near the end. I had, uh, I had a guard lined up and like I had a forward lined up and, you know, when I looked at the situation, I was like, man, you know, there's, there's not that many guards here, right? But in terms of forwards, um, I think it was what, Jaden McDaniels, uh, and there were like a couple others. Like, oh, yeah, Herb Jones or something. Oh, yeah, there were a few. So I was like, yeah, um, I really like this player, this forward, but I can't justify paying up more than what I have now because, you know, there's options. If someone flips it over, that means money's allocated to there. That's one less person in competition for the other guys. And so because I knew that there were like three other options there that I, I feel happy with, they were basically the same player, right? So I was like, okay, um, I need to prioritize this guy that I have at guard because I don't really see as many options there. So then, you know, so there's things like that that come into the options near the end, especially um, where you, I think you really have to be cognizant of uh, the drop-off points um, between tiers, because I remember after that drop-off, I was like, oh, shit, that gets bad, you know? So, mm. um, 
Yeah, I, you know, we were we were talking about that quite a few times, and I think you were running into the a, a similar issue as well. Yeah, I I got I think I was really fortunate um, in a lot of ways because the guys that I was trying to save up for, I because because my the because the the top end of my draft was expensive, I didn't ha I was never going to be able to wait out long enough to make that money back. You know, there were. There was a, at least one guy who I think he waited until the first 155, 160 picks before he spent any money at all. Um, and like that was just that's a, that's a stack that I couldn't I couldn't just wait out and eventually get it. And so I had these guys that I that I really wanted. Um, Jared Vanderbilt was one. Jade McDaniels was one. Uh, there were sort of these guys that James Wiseman was one that people were were definitely intrigued by and, and wanted to get a piece of, and you could tell that they were being sh sort of shielded in the nomination, in the nomination queue. queue. Um, people weren't, weren't nominating them because they were hoping that like more money would bleed out and then they'd be able to, to save enough time, save enough money during that time to get that guy. Um, and I had the good fortune of being kind of short stacked anyways, um, which forced me into that position of saying, I actually, I just can't afford Jaden McDaniels. I can't afford Jared Vandermilt. Uh, I can't afford Walker Kessler. And it, it, you know, if we're going to do the Bruce Lee thing, which this is now, I think three consecutive podcasts that we mentioned, <laughs> uh, the B water draft yes, strategy. Yes. Um, it really pushed me in this direction of like, you can't, you spent all of your money or you spent a, a good portion of your money on the star to begin with. You're not going to be able to get the late stars. So you got to split those resources into into less expensive, uh, less less expensive players that will do thing that will occupy roster spots because that was another thing that people came up against. We spent a lot of money early. It was like you still got to fill out eight more spots with your you know hundred dollars or whatever, and you just you're really hamstrung then about like can you go get a, a target late if you spend all your money early or you spend a lot of your money early. Um, yeah, I. I I think I was really fortunate in that. I, I turns out I was too broke to buy these guys. <laughs> and if I, and if I had, I don't think I would have been able to fill up the roster with as many competent players or as many starters or as many, uh, as many minutes as I ended up getting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Sure, can, can I interject? I just want to say two things there. Um, this kind of got into my head. So first one is, in my my initial my first foray into you know deep league auction, my thinking was okay, I can find two dollar guys, three dollar guys, right, one dollar guys, right, you know, because you're thinking like I don't know, totally mindset, you're like ah oh, yeah, there's guys there, right? Nah, trust me, those one dollar guys are, are shit, <laughs> you know. So you know, like it, it just it it just doesn't work, especially in a deep league. The second thing is uh, you were mentioned about the guy that waited until the first like 150 guys that went off. So, you know, Jarrett, he plays in the football league that I have and uh, like he did pretty well. Um, his team is nice, but, you know, he, he was like, because the guy that won that league, he's won two times in a row and he was all about depth. Like he didn't have superstars, you know, granted he made some trades, but his team was so freaking deep, right? And so Jarrett was like, Damn, I want to do that. I want to try that. So that's why he did what he did. He's like, all right, I'm just going to wait, 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 wait till everybody blows their wad. 
And then I'm just going to come in and just be the cleanup man and just scoop up everything, which is exactly what he did. Right. And so, he sure um, did. yeah, no, his, you know, his team is really nice. You know, got young guys. He's, you know, I think he went with the big man strategy. He just wanted to lock up blocks, steals, uh, and everything. So, um, but yeah, so that was his mindset going into it. Uh, he's just like, yeah, depth. I just want depth. I, I know I don't want to spend that much money. And I thought he executed it pretty well. So sorry for, sorry for cutting you off there. No, I agree. And um, it actually, it, it dovetails really nicely because you know who got Jade McDaniels? He did, yeah, he because did. he had the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know who got Herb Jones? Yeah, exactly. He did. Yeah, because those guys were sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, they were sitting I, there. And yeah, he had the stack and no one could compete with them. <laughs> no, I certainly couldn't. And I really wanted to, you know, like I, I think that, you know, I, I think I was really impressed with how sharp this room was. Yeah. Um, you know, what you're saying about like the 12 team mindset and like, I can find dollar guys. And like, it's just when you're in a league, that's this deep, no one, chances are you're not the only person that's heard about this guy or that thinks that this could be a spot where there's going to be opportunity. Um, Jared also got a Kong Wu. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there was just like, these are people that I think were on everybody's draft board. Um, and if you, if you're impatient, you're not going to end up getting your guys like that. And so I'm, I'm wondering what was the, so if Simons was your first pick, yeah. how did you know that you wanted to go in then? Was it just, that was a price point that looked good for you? Um, I feel, or, or, you know, what? Yeah. So, um, there wasn't too much action on him. Um, like for me, especially in the beginning, and I don't know, maybe this is a tell on my part, and I probably had to, you know, change up my auction bidding strategies, stuff like that, like in terms of bidding. But a lot of times what I like to do is I just like to wait and see how, um, you know, how how the player's trading, right? So, I mean, basically when, you know, when I used to work at a firm, like I was a market maker, and it was all about order flow and just just every every little tick I would look at. Just, you know, who's buying, who's selling, blah, blah, blah. So, like, you know, I, I kind of, I've always had that mindset. So, you know, when I look at these auctions, you know, I you know, see who's buying, who's selling, how fast is the action going. Um, for me, there, I don't feel like it's really beneficial to get in there when it's hot and heavy in the beginning. Like, what's I don't, to me, I just, what's the point? You know, let me just see, you know, let me see the action die down and let me see who's serious, who's a serious buyer here. Uh, and then, so I felt like the action was kind of low. Um, it ended up 26, but it was much, I think when, I think it was like under eight, it was under 20. It was like 18 bucks. I think if I remember correctly, it was like 18 and he was kind of just sitting there. So I was like, Oh shit. You know? And so I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, I guess it kind of makes sense because there's some uncertainty, uh, in Portland, right? Granted, they just signed him to a lot of money, but it's, you know, there's still, they haven't announced if he's starting or not, you know, like I personally think that he's going to start at student guard, but you know, they draft to shade and sharp. So I was, my mindset was like, okay, like, so maybe people are kind of thinking like they're, they're not sure, you know, the situation, so they don't want to pay a premium. So to me, that really excited me because I feel like he is going to start. And so under 20 bucks, that's like a steal for me. Um, so that's why I first kind of got into him. And then I think what ended up happening was, the fucking peanut gallery was like, yo, Simon's is too cheap. Simon's is too cheap. So then some guys started picking away. So, <laughs> so that's why he ended up going as high as he did. But, um, you know, and I think around that time, 
Um, and was, well, this is another thing that I guess we could talk about too. Is like in the beginning, uh, not only is action hot and heavy, but like people are so amped up about everything, and the price enforcing is a thing because people just are right, Ooh. right? And, you know, it was crazy, right? But after a while, like a lot of these, you know, whether it be the excitement runs out or there's no money, like you can't. So around this time, I remember the price enforcing wasn't as intense, right? And so. So I felt like it was a good time, but yeah, fuck, I would have loved him at 18. Yeah, I'm happy with him at 26, but yeah, I'm a little pissed at the peanut gallery because they 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 cost me like seven bucks there. I'm pretty sure. Well, so yeah, I think I think realistically maybe 21, 22, I maybe could have got him, but yeah, like they just kept going easy cheap, easy cheap, <laughs> and they kept bidding up. So yeah, that was my yeah that like I wasn't like I wasn't th- I wasn't really even thinking about Simons at all. I I, I yeah, it just yeah, he, he just popped out to me just how things were traded. And then I just thought about the situation. And I was like, I, I like it. You know, so, yeah. yeah. But, well, you know, my, my theory on, on Portland, which is that I think that thing is going to blow up in the next like year yeah. and a half. And Simons is going to be the yeah, guy yeah. that, that is really going to stand to benefit. I might have been part of that peanut gallery saying nah, that, uh, jerk. you know, we, we could probably throw some money yeah, behind yeah. Anthony Simons. Yeah, I got to pay you back for uh, a lot of things. I, I got to pay you back. I'm worried about how the rest of this goes here, but, um, but I think 26 bucks for Anthony Simons is a good buy. Um, I mean, he's, he's young and the, the thing that is probably consistent across other drafts, not just this particular one, but Simons, uh, is a third year guy, maybe, maybe a second year guy. Um, He's not a rookie, which is the point that I'm trying to arrive yeah. at. And rookies were so expensive. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you were seeing in other drafts too? Is that, that, that seems like probably, you know, if you're, if you're prepping for a draft like this, that's where your mind initially goes is like, let me go get the rookie. Uh, is that something you've been seeing before? Yeah, I think that's a common thing across all drafts, across all sports. Um, it's just the allure of the upside. Um, and mm-hmm. just pay, and because like, especially in a dynasty league, uh, the priority is to get young, right? You just want the youngest guys you, you feel like are the best and have the most upside. So there's always going to be a premium. Um, you know, that's why, like, I, I much prefer the, the first year guys or the second year guys, like the guys that in the first two years of their career. So there's still like some unknown, but yet, you know, like I've seen them do it. Like, I know that they can handle the league, right? So, especially guys that yeah. kind of struggled a little bit, you know? Like, okay, like, for example, Cole Anthony, right? Whether this comes to fruition or not, but I feel like this is a perfect example, right? Like, I've seen him play. Like, he's able to play in the league. Yes, he had some issues, right? Especially efficiency-wise, right? But mm-hmm. if you look at other guards, except for, like, the super superstars, right? Especially guards, it takes them some, some time. Right. Like in terms of like finishing at the rim and, and things like dealing with length and stuff. So it usually takes them some time in terms of the efficiency. So, um, you know, he has excellent pedigree, like he's super hyped prospect. Like and the fact that I was able to see him play in the league and get busy, you know, it wasn't too big for him. To me, that's like the perfect target, right? Because people are kind of have like recency bias. And they're like, ah, you know, he's shooting 39 percent from the field. You know, he's been in the league for two years. He hasn't broken out, you know. And then so, like, I got him for 18 bucks, right? Like, okay, 
maybe he splits with Markel Fultz, but as of right now, he's a starter. And I don't know, like I said, maybe it blows up in my face. I, I don't think it does, right? But I would much rather have like put my money on that type of situation rather than a rookie. Because man, mm. you don't know what the rookies do. So many times, you know, they bust or you know, they just don't pan out to what you think they are, right? But because there's a there's the allure of the unknown, right? Uh, which is tough for me. So I always prefer, yeah, like I try to stay away from rookies. Like I grant, I, I think I got, well, Walker Kessler because kind of had to with like centers and stuff. But um, more often than not, I prefer to target the first and second year guys because uh, I, I've seen it, they've proven, and then they usually come at a discount to the rookies. Yeah. Well, and your your roster construction speaks to that. You know, Simons, Franz Wagner, Sadiq Bey, Shingun. Shingun is interesting because we didn't really get to see very much of him last year in Houston, um, but you know has has the sort of passing and skills from a big man that just make you so excited. Uh, Cole Anthony, um, Goga, um, yeah, I mean, I think you got you got you were on the younger end of the spectrum without having to pay the rookie premium, except for Walker Kessler. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Although, like, I, jerk. I, I, so, um. The way that broke that that broke down um, me was I the the website we use to draft does not necessarily have the exact same positional eligibility as the format or the the people that we're going to be running this league through, and so it became I it came to my attention that having drafted John Collins and Bobby Ports, I thought that I was set at center. Um, Turns out I might not be set at center. And so, uh, yeah, with Walker Kessler, when he came up, um, we'd already run through a lot of the other rookie centers. Jalen Duran was another guy that I think like everyone yeah. wanted. Um, and he ended up going for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had a moment where I thought like, well, this is, I've been saving. I didn't quite know what I was saving for at that point. <laughs> um, but I've been saving. I need a center. Walker Kessler, you had set your, I don't know what your maximum bid was at, but when he came on the board, I saw that you were the high man on him at maybe like seven bucks. And I was like, well, I'm willing to gamble there. And then up to 10 and then up to like 14. And I was feeling really nervous about that. Cause I, I feel the same way you do about, um, about drafting rookies like that. It's just like, you don't, you really don't know. Uh, Kessler's in a great spot because the jazz have just traded Gobert don't think that team is going to try to win. So it's, there's a very real opportunity there for him to be just eating a ton of minutes as a young player. And the block rate is so, so impressive in college that, you know, if he brings that skill to the NBA, like they're your blocks, you know, and, and as someone, you know, my, my build, I kind of ended up punting centers. Um, that's just sort of how it worked out for me. It was not an intentional thing, but, um, yeah, when Kessler was on the board, I kept on having to bid into you because I, I really felt the need to get a guy that could anchor it. I just couldn't go to 15 bucks. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> and so, Toss me like five uh, bucks. It wasn't it was intentional, <laughs> no, I promise. But I, I felt like I really yeah. needed him. Um, I also, so, you know, I, looking at my roster now yeah. too, I didn't get any, I only got one rookie. Um, so, and that so, was Jeremy yeah. Sohan. Uh, and it was kind of accidental. 
I don't think that I, so how my draft played out is I spent all that money on Barnes and then I didn't take another player for a whole day. I just watched the board turn over and turn over. Um, Cause I realized once I, once Barnes was on the roster and I saw that I had $143 left to finish this thing out, it was sort of gulps, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of work to do. And so I, I had to let, let the, the board kind of bleed out a little bit. Um, and so by the time that I was back in and I felt like I had some dough, um, I cracked the wallet open for $28 Jamal Murray and $28 John Collins. And Sohan was on the board at that time too. And I was sort of doing what you were doing where I was sort of responding to how the other people in the league were betting uh, or bidding, I should say, on Murray and Collins. And I felt like I had, I had found the ceiling at 28 for both of them. And I was really comfortable with that. Um, I was more comfortable than I thought that John Collins was center eligible, but <laughs> I think, I think there. He'll be, so I think you'll be fine. I, saw, I hope so. I really hope so because uh, then I don't have to worry about Jackson Hayes not getting any time. <laughs> um, but Sohan was there and I, I was intrigued by Sohan because he sort of reminds me of Scotty Barnes where he's a, a do everything defense first kind of player um, not necessarily a huge scorer. It doesn't seem like the shooting is there yet, but he finishes around the basket really well. He's a smart cutter. Um, he did some playmaking at Baylor. Um, and he's in San Antonio where sort of like Walker Kessler, like I don't think this team is interested in winning basketball games. There's going to be an opportunity for him to get 22 to 25 minutes a night as a rookie. The game might be a little bit too big for him initially, but I sort of compensated by drafting an, an extra forward later. Um, all my forwards are starters. Um, so if Sohan can't do it initially, I can stash him down in the dev spot and bring him in uh, as he sort of catches up to the game. Um, and I'm really excited just about being a part of the, the Spurs development here. Cause I think in, in redraft leagues and 12 team leagues, like I think the Spurs, provide a ton of value. That's also why I got yeah, Trey I Jones to my second yeah. point guard. Yeah, you were talking about um, Vassal. Thank yeah, you God. were talking about Kelvin Johnson, Vassal. Yeah, they went yeah. for you know a hefty premium. But uh, yeah, I remember you were all over San Antonio. Yeah, those guys were expensive. Was that? Well, I I said those guys, the, the Sal and uh, Johnson were oh, crazy yeah. expensive. Yeah, those, those um, but Trey Jones could, could really just walk into this point guard job in San Antonio. Um, there aren't a whole lot of other candidates there. Uh, he's young. He's kind of like his brother in that he's uh, a decent, uh, decent field goal percentage, turn, uh, turnovers to a minimum, assists, sprinkling of rebounds. And um, what you were saying about like seeing the cliff's edge, he was, I was interested in Cole Anthony too, because it was between Cole and Trey as sort of the last viable starting point guard. Um and at the time I had drafted, I had Murray and Barnes and Collins and I really needed another ball handler. And, and so Trey Jones is my man bucks. for 17 bucks. Um, but yeah, no, Sohan is my only rookie at this yeah. point. That's nice. 14 bucks. Not bad. We'll see. Um, I, I had to do some self-soothing because I was really, Jared Vanderbilt was a guy that kept on falling and I thought that, he could be a really nice, a really nice piece in Utah, uh, especially if that Donovan Mitchell trade goes down and they just do a full rebuild. Like he's young, he'll get a ton of time. Um, 
and I realized like, oh, I missed out on Jared Vanderbilt. And then I thought like, oh, I, I did buy Jerry Sohan though. Like, that, he's my, he's my Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, the pivots, the pivots are key. Uh, the pivots for sure. And so you, you were able to stay young pretty much throughout. Um, campaign seems to be your oldest player. Aaron Gordon feels old, but isn't old. Did you have a, uh, an age maximum that you were enforcing here? Or are you just uh, ignoring, you know, I've, for example, guys like Reggie Bullock that I ended up on my team um, on the wrong side yeah, of 30. It's definitely, I wasn't going over 30. Uh, probably my, you know, I want to keep it under 28, you know. Uh, the Aaron Gordon one, I hate Aaron Gordon. <laughs> I always make fun of him when I write up, you know, recaps. <laughs> I, he's just too cheap. I just felt like he's too cheap. cheap. I mean, 13 bucks, um, you know, he's going to get close to 30 minutes and, you know, he'll, he'll do some stuff. So I, I just, to me, that's just too cheap for, for that. So, uh, pain was one I, I targeted. I ended up getting him for four bucks, but, uh, he's like, what, 27? Uh, like, I'm not crazy about him, but like down at that deep of the draft, like he's going to play at least, you know, 20 minutes, right? And, you know, give you some assists, but, to me, it was more of an upside play because if Chris Paul, like at some point, right, he's going to go down. So, I mean, if this is the year he goes down, then, right, um, that four bucks looks, looks mighty juicy there. So for me, that was more of a, I, I, I really like the floor, um, but I think there's a ton of upside, especially at that price. Gordon is more just, he's just too cheap for floor play. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely an ageist. I, I, I was very conscious about not going over. Uh, you know, probably 28 was probably my limit. And one of the reasons why was because uh, in my first draft, like I kind of filled out the, my bench with older guys that I felt like, you know, they'll give me minutes and, ju and just do it. And so it was fine. But then uh, when I had to like, you know, some injuries happened, right? And then I kind of felt out of contention and then I had to make a decision, rebuild or, you know, whatever, go for it, make some trades. Um it was very difficult to trade them. And like, I, I realized like, and this goes back to the, our whole rookie thing, right? I realized it doesn't matter how shitty a rookie is, or it doesn't matter how shitty, you know, first year guy or second year guy is. There's always going to be someone that believes or that like, oh, there's potential there, right? He's young, right? And so I noticed all those trades and like, even when like I was looking for trades or, you know, whatever, I was like, man, I, you know, I'll make this trade, but give me your young guy. Or, you know, like if, you know, other guys are sending out trades, you know, right? And then, you know, they're always asking like, oh, you know, I I'm interested in this guy. He's a young guy. And so those guys always have value, right? And, you know, but like the KCPs and they're good. But like, man, like the paths are very, they're definitely slimmed down, right? Like just, he's going to give you like 28, 30 minutes, whatever. And like, you know what he's going to do fantasy wise, but, um, you know, from that aspect, it's it's very limited in what he does from a fantasy perspective. But then if you want to trade him, uh, it's more difficult. Like you really like it narrows down the trading pool because you need to find a guy that needs that, you know, that, you know, wants needs the threes or whatever or uh, doesn't mind taking the older guy. Right. Because even then it's going to be hard. To, like, like how much is he going to give up from? Is he going to give up first? I don't know. That's tough. Right. So, you know, you're looking at maybe a second or future second or some, you know, whatever. Try, But if you have a young guy, you know, maybe he only plays, what, are 15 minutes or 20 minutes. 
you know, man, I think the probabilities of getting a one in return or something of more value, I think it's, it increases, right? Because of the allure, the allure of the youth and the upside. So yeah, that's, that's why I was like, I went into this consciously is like, I, I don't want to be old because I felt like uh, it would limit me in, in certain capacities. That makes a lot of sense to me, even as the guy who drafted Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like, uh, there's been some slander here. I got him for eight dollars, and I'm really excited about it. You know, just uh, sticking up for my man here. I, I guess I probably should have asked you this earlier, but when you came into this, did you want to win this year, or three years from now, or did you want to be in the hunt? Like, how how did you how did you balance putting it? putting it on tilt to win a championship now? I don't think I ever go into anything being like, I'm going to win the championship because man, mm. fuck, there's just too much out of your control there. Like you just have, you need so much luck, right? So the way I approach things is just, uh, let me just be competitive, right? And like, if I can be competitive and get lucky, right? Then, you know, just, just give me like the things that I can control Hopefully it takes me to a certain level and then past that, all that shit is out of your control. Right. So, um, so yeah, I just want to be competitive. Uh, and uh, I wanted to stay as young as I could uh, for the, you know, the, the, not only the sustainability of whatever may, may happen, but like I said earlier, like in terms of trade, it just, I feel like it's just, I'll just have more options. Like if I need to tear, tear this, like, if I'm unhappy with this squad and I need to tear it down, like I think I can tear it down pretty quickly and get a lot of value for it because not only are I think are the contracts pretty, uh, you know, pretty nice, but there's a lot of youth, a lot of upside here. Um, you know, I think there's yeah. you know a lot of paths that I could go, a lot of value I can get from it. So, um, yeah, that, that that's that's definitely how I approached it. What about you? How did you how did you approach it in, from that perspective? No. Hey, um, I think you did. I think you did a nice job because I think what you're saying about being able to stay flexible is definitely true with your roster. You don't have any albatross contracts. You've got a lot of youth. You've got a lot of upside. Um, even you know, with the the specific nature of the the hard cap in this league, you know, you don't have any dollar players. Dollar players are going to be impossible to move because you're just trading a dollar guy yeah. for a dollar guy essentially with everyone up against the yeah. cap like this. So I think you, I think you did really well. I want your mm-hmm, team uh, um, because I, I sort of got, I, I sort of, well, I, I did this to myself. I don't know why I keep on trying to push the blame to some, some <laughs> other people or the draft made me do it. This is, this was my own hand here, but I, you know, I, this is the first time that I've, I've played in a dynasty format and I really, it's the first time I played in a dynasty format. And it's the first time I'm playing with a lot of these people who I think are pretty fucking sharp. Um, and I remember the first time I played in the Raz Jam, I just got my head kicked in, and that sucked. Yeah. That was not any fun. It's redraft, so it didn't really matter. I had to take yeah. my lumps. So I learned some things. Great. Come back the next year, and I'm in the hunt, finishing uh, with the silver medal. Um, and I want this game is more fun when you're yeah, in it, definitely. and so that was part of what was driving this was that I ended up spending, I ended up spending more money on upside uh, or my upside is, is of the more premium sort of variety. So the $57 Scotty Barnes is definitely part of that. 
Vinny got John Collins at 28 bucks could really yeah. pop. Um, that, something's going to need to change in Atlanta for that to happen. That's a guy who's put up a top 10 season before. Um, I thought Jamal Murray was somewhat discounted because he's coming off yeah. that ACL and it's just been a while since people Agreed. have seen him. Uh, Sohan for 14 bucks was more expensive than it probably should have been. Um, so by the time I got down to like my sixth buy, I got Bobby Portis for 14, which is just like, that was a non, non-negotiable <laughs> for me as a man who lives in Milwaukee. Um, but Bo- Bobby had to be here, you know? Um, and so by the time I got to that point, like, I had pretty much priced myself out of young upside guys. I couldn't buy Cold Anthony. I couldn't buy Walker Kessler. I couldn't buy Jared Vanderbilt. And that really, uh, knowing that I wanted to stay, I wanted to stay competitive and really sort of seeing what I had built against what other people were doing. I felt like I was in a pretty good spot that nudged me, uh, sort of further up the age spectrum here. And so I get it. Yeah. my bench for the most part is older. Um, so KCP is 28, 29 by the end of this contract, he'll be 32 or 31. I'm a little bit heartened because the nuggets just gave him a two year deal. Yeah. Um, JaVale McGee, in theory, is the starting center of the of the Magic or of the Mavericks. He turns like 36, I think, at the end of this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that will be tough. Um, I was able to buy back in on a little upside with Hayes, but not exactly an ideal situation for him there. Um, but Grayson Allen at five, Reggie Bullock at three. At this point, I was sort of thinking like, well, I really, I think this team can compete, and the 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 anchor is Barnes. So if if that's where this is going, like let's try to win this now and let's try to have some kind of belief that I can figure it out going forward. Um and there are other guys on this roster that are that are sort of skewed up a little bit age wise, Tyus Jones and John Collins. Um they're not old, but they certainly don't have that same kind of uh polish and sparkle that you were talking about earlier about like you can always you'll always find a believer for a rookie. Like I don't think you're always going to find a believer for uh, hey Grayson Allen's a useful <laughs> fancy basketball player. Um, so I, I felt like I, I kind of was obliged to go for it um, because I I managed to spend a lot of money on one player without turning that into an anchor around my neck. Um, and yeah, the the big bet was on Barnes, and so. Let's let's try to build a roster around him that will that will support that. And you know, it's a, it's three year contracts. I should have mentioned that at the top when I was doing the format. But um, you know, if at the end of three years we've had a three year run and feeling pretty good about the successes that have come of that, you know, Javale McGee gets cut, Javale McGee walks, um, Allen, Bullock. Like I think a lot of these bench guys aren't going to be there. Um, so I'm going to have to be smart going forward about adding in some young pieces or, or figuring out ways to replace these guys in a couple of years, because there's a cliff coming for my team that doesn't exist for yours. Yeah. You know, there's many different ways to skin a cat, right? There's many paths to victory. Um, no one path sure. is more correct than another. Right. So uh, I think, I mean, just the most important thing is just, I mean, you have to have a plan. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about it in prior pads. I, I did a whole pod basically on that, you know, um, and, it, and it's applicable to, you know, to almost everything in life, 
right? But you know, especially for an option draft, for sure. you know, it's um, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to have a plan or some semblance of like what direction you're gonna do because, uh, yeah, because I mean, once you make a mistake, it's fucking hard to right to come back from it, right? Yeah. So. Uh, if you have a plan, it keeps you kind of on the course, give you some sort of sense of direction. Uh, and then uh, when things kind of, when the unexpected happens or if you need to pivot, um, as long as you have that that center, like like those adjustments will be much easier to make uh, with it. So, you know, like I said, I think you did a pretty good job. I was very curious uh, how you were going to like manage everything after you spent, you know, the money on Barnes. Because like I said, I made, that's basically what I did with BAM. Right. So I was very curious to see, like, um, you know, how you were going to manage and how you how you were going to do it. And uh, yeah, I think you did. I think you did pretty well. So. Appreciate that. Well, that it actually it's a nice segue to sort of these like bullet point things that I feel like I've learned. And you and I have talked about this, but like I said earlier, I feel like agree. I think in a one single egregious overpay a draft is not great. It's it's one more than you probably should, um, but it's it's not unless it's really horrific. It probably isn't going to be death. Uh, um, but what happened to a couple of people, I think, was there was one egregious overpay, and that was compounded by another big uh, big buy, and it really really sets you behind. What you're saying about like having a plan, having a path, giving yourself outs and different ways that you can build a champion. It's just really hard um, when you when you commit that much of your budget to one or two guys. And so that was one thing that I learned as I was sitting there looking at, at Barnes was like, okay, that was more money than I really wanted to spend. That's more money than I thought I was going to spend. Um, the only way that you can't unspend it, you know, the, the, the money is gone. And so the one thing that I, I learned about that was like, if you find yourself in that situation, you just have to yeah. stop. You really just have to be able to tap the brakes and say like, the rest of this, the rest of the board needs to catch up with me because I, I have blundered here. And I think that, I think that will be a lesson learned for some of our league mates. And this one was just like, it was, it was one really expensive guy followed up by another really expensive guy. And now you're nine days in and, the last uh, the last player who came off the board here was uh, Doug McDermott for two dollars. So that's that's where the uh, <laughs> that's where that 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 road ends up if you uh, if you end up spending a bunch of money early. Um, other things that that we discussed that I thought were really important. I mean, you'd already touched on minutes. I mean, the the good news about the way that I built this roster, the way that I was able to recover around the Barnes things. I just, I bought guys that were going to play. Um, Bullock is a, is an old and, and affordable starter. Ditto with, with KCP ditto with, um, with Aaron Gordon. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to beat the uh, minutes or gold drum again? Yes, here, yeah, son? You I know it's, my mind. it's your favorite. Dude, get out of my head. You're in my head. I was just about to do it too. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Minutes are gold, you know, like, you know, you get four games of Reggie Bullock, right? Like he's gonna play over thirty minutes, right? Say, I don't know, conservatively speaking, you know, ten points a game. That's forty points, you know, per week. I mean, that's fucking huge, right? Like, yeah, McDermott might not score forty points yeah. all season, you know. Uh, you know this, um, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the 
is the daily transaction one is a huge, huge variable, which I don't think many, many factored in, um, you know, you know, weekly transactions, I think that kind of, you know, moves the pendulum back towards stars and scrubs a little bit, but it's still like, even then, and it's, it's very, it's very tough. I mean, you really have to get lucky and then get lucky upon, on top of lucky, right? <laughs> um, Maybe, maybe do some time traveling in, in there as well. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, everything has to go right. And, you know, depth, depth is huge. Yeah, like if, you know, Jokic goes down, like, it, you know, it's fucking over, right? Oh, yeah, it's fucking over. Like, but, you know, season's like over. if you, you know, if Jamal Murray goes down, it hurts, but you got Tyus Jones at 10 bucks there, right? You know, he's going to pay, you know, 20 something minutes, right? Like, it, it's not, it's not great, but, you know, at least like you're gonna get something there, right? Whereas, you know, Jokic goes down, like, you know, you're getting, you know, what two minutes, you know, maybe five minutes all week, or not even that, right? It's, you know, so that uh, yeah, depth is huge. Minutes are gold. Uh, the deeper that you get, the more I think you have to prioritize those two things. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, yeah, when what you're seeing here. At- at the bottom of this draft with these last, I don't know. Hey, you like got Nim- you got Nimes Quinta. I don't even know who the fuck that is. For a dollar, who the hell is uh, Nimes Quinta? So he, uh, you he, know who he is? It's part of my just disgusting. I do, wow. I do actually. It's part of my disgusting Sacramento wow. Kings. Wait, uh, hey, hold on, hold on. Didn't you tell me that you were not gonna get any Kings? What happened here? Right. Well, so. It's more me just like not sticking to my own plan here. Um, I got, I bought Bullock. I wanted Bullock for for two dollars. Someone bid into me, and now it went up to three, which I find frustrating because at two dollars I could cut Reggie Bullock and it would cost me one dollar. But if I at three dollars if I cut Reggie Bullock, it's going to cost me a dollar and a half, which is two players, not one. I'm not bitter about it. Um, but so I I was hoping to get Bullock for two and then spend money on. Chimezi Metu, okay. who is uh, a rotation big for yeah. the Kings. Yeah, he. I mean, he's definitely. I think he's already. He probably doesn't qualify for a dev spot. He's he's played yeah, enough time um, in the NBA. Because I, I'm, like I said, I, I kind of unintentionally soft punted centers. If if either Portis or Collins gets center eligibility, this team Pretty gets good. a lot yeah. more dangerous yeah. to me. Um, because right now the only two centers that qualify uh, on fan tracks are McGee and Hayes. And we've talked about Jackson Hayes sort of getting a little squeezed in, in new Orleans with Zion back. So Quetta is um, part of like the, the summer league team for the, uh, for the Kings. He's a Portuguese prospect. Um, there's a lot of block upside there. Uh, he had a, I'm such a sicko. I was watching Kings social media. Um, and when they played, they played the magic and, uh, Ben Caro, he hit a three in Ben Caro's face and Ben Caro was talking shit and said, like, you're not supposed to do that. And Quetta clapped back and said, you don't know me. You don't know what I can do. (laughs) And so for a dollar, he, he will be dev eligible, which is nice because he's sort of my, like, uh, if shit goes all the way sideways on my centers and neither Portis nor Collins is eligible and it really just is McGee, McGee and Hayes. I would have liked to have gotten 
Metu or Drew Eubanks or more like established backup center, there really aren't a whole lot of great options for me there. So Greta was, he was a dollar. He's a developmental player. I'm hoping that I never have to actually use him um, this year. Uh, I know the Kings think that they're uh, going to make the playoffs. They hmm. always do. Um, they always do. Excuse me. They always think that um, they almost never do. And so I, I'm not sold on what their big man rotation looks like. I, Rashawn Holmes still being there seems kind of like a curious yeah. fit now that Domas is in town. Um, so maybe Quetta, maybe, the, so maybe here's my thinking. Maybe the Kings continue to be the Kings and fuck it up and are outside of the playoff picture in March. And we get to do some like dev guy fun time and Quetta comes in and gets some burn. Um, because they've traded Rashawn Holmes and DeMontis Sabonis's spirit has collapsed after spending a year in Sacramento. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to enter the Metu verse. I didn't send it up with the Queta verse. So, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, this is totally throwing me off from the next thing <laughs> I, I was going to talk about. Um, minutes are gold. I, um, I don't know if you uh, practice this next one that I had marked down on our little sheet here, but I'm an evangelist for taking a break. I think that staring at the board is bad for you. Um, it, it only plays up your, your heightened sense of uh, FOMO and overthinking things. So I think if in a draft like this, where it's an eight hour timer per, um, per player, I think getting up and taking a walk is a really strong thing to do because it just gives you a, a chance to not get pulled into the, the ticking clock of, of the board. Uh, but then again, I know you're drafting again right now. So maybe, maybe if you've got sun level uh, levels of, of focus and commitment, you can do well, it. I, you know, I got, yeah, I got a couple of things to say in regards to that. One, I do agree that uh, it, it's good to, and it's good and healthy to, to kind of step away um, not only to kind of refresh your mind, uh, but also kind of, you know, recharge. And then sometimes you'll come back and you'll get a different perspective after you've taken some time. At the same time, um, I do think that sometimes, you know, looking at the board is good because, um, or staring at the board, like you said, it's dangerous. The FOMO, you see the action. Okay. So that, that that's bad. Right. But sometimes when you look at the board um, and kind of, like map out everything or figure out contingency plans, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes the more you look at it, the, the more branches that you see, the more paths that become illuminated. Um, but yeah, I agree at the same time, like, you know, it is healthy to take a break and then come back. And then, you know, when you come back, then maybe you look at things with a more uh, objective perspective. Now, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm in this, you know, draft champions, um, uh, draft right now and like man there's some heavy hitters in here uh but you know i'm talking to messaging with giuseppe racco uh, he was in pod number 41 i think like he basically just cleans the yeah cleans the, so, the streets this guy has been living in my brain yeah I, yeah the guys he's you know one of the best fantasy players out there um and then eric jenicky uh, you know, he took seventh last year. I've been, I've been very fortunate to be able to, you know, talk and messaging with them. You know, he, 
you know, he is a great player in his own right. You know, spreadsheet guru. Um, he has the uh, he has the ear of Eric Wong. Uh, so you know, it's like it's 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 awesome. You know, Fish, you know, John Fish is in this draft. Um, you know, Maria, well, not it's not Maria, but Maria's husband, Zara Zara Gosen. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but yeah. So you know, it's able to like kind of message and talk and you know go through about this draft and you know in particular. Uh, I've been messing with Rocco and like, you know, I'm just trying to pick his brain and, you know, we've just been talking about, you know, players and, and drafts and strategies and things like that. And <laughs> he kind of, you know, put the hammer down on me, you know, put me in my place. Cause he's like, yo, like you're drafting, you're picking your players too quick. Right. And he's like, um, you know, because interestingly, like if you listen to the pod that we had kind of mapped out his strategy and like what he does, but in this particular draft, he kind of went completely against it. And so I was like, whoa, what the fuck, right? Like, it's crazy. So just, you know, he is truly the Bruce Lee of it because, you know, truly just taking whatever the draft has given him and he's just kind of going with the flow. But in round three, like he, he, I guess he felt like he had a pretty pivotal decision. And so he was like, you know, he took a lot of time and he's like, yeah, my initial thought was to go in this one direction, but like I had to take a, you know, take a breath, think about everything and break down all the math and do all that. And then the more that I thought about it, the more I realized I had to go in this other direction, which is completely against what his, I guess, what he prefers to do. And so I guess the basic lesson of it is like, you know, sometimes sitting there thinking or looking at the board isn't such a bad thing too, right? Because we may have certain inherent biases or we may feel like, we have mapped out all the contingencies or we know exactly what we want to do, things like that. But, you know, if you do spend some time, then maybe another path or, you know, some more information will be gleaned or you feel like, oh, shoot, maybe this way is probably the best way to go or something like that. So I don't know. I, I don't think I really answered your question. So I, I apologize because I, I guess I'm kind of on the fence here, right? Because I feel like both are, are good. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, it is good to sit there and stare, you know, because there's pros, I guess there's pros and cons to everything, right? Like, uh, as my wife always tells me, you know, like everything in moderation, right? Because she knows I'm a freaking nut and, you know, <laughs> you know, I was just like, do so stir, you know, fantasy dress and do dress all the time. Like, um, but, you know, I guess, uh, you know, from, from, I guess, Giuseppe's perspective is like, yeah, you know, like sometimes it's, it, it, you know, it's okay. It's, it's good to, to kind of look at the board, but, you know, I remember like you took a few bike rides and you took some walks away and like, you know, I could kind of feel the refreshness of when you came back, you were kind of re-energized and, you know, the things that you were messaging me was like, um, yeah, you know, it was like very clear perspective and things like that. So yeah, I can see the benefit of both. I guess that's what I'm, ah, oh, this guy took Sangoon. Ah, oh, man, jerk. I was going to. You were such a oh, I was going to wait for him. I thought he would last, but all right. I guess not. <laughs> you want to be water over there. Or stare at the board. Yes, and exactly. Bike ride exactly. Now, voice is yours here. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely think you're right that there, 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 there are a lot of ways to do this. Um, for me, when, you know, like I said, I was taking these bike rides and <clears throat> on one bike ride was when I realized that I'd already drafted Jared Vanderbilt and his name is Jeremy Sohan. Um, the other bike ride sort of revelation to me was that I was, <clears throat> I was really prepared to 
to die on the hill of defending uh, my bid on Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones. Um, I needed some perspective to understand that like Tyus was actually much more important to me. Uh, Kyle would have been my fifth forward at the time, I think. Um, and Trey would have been my, or excuse me, Tyus would have been my third guard. So <laughs> needed to, to readjust my thinking there. Cause I really, I thought I could get both. I thought that I had saved up enough money, um, that I could hold off, um, some of these other people that had slightly bigger stacks than I could, than I did. And, uh, I couldn't. And I, I'm very fortunate that, um, that it broke, that Kyle got drafted to, to another team and the Tyus ended up with me because, much like when I got his younger brother, Trey, I really feel like that was kind of the last, the last point guard that I was interested in. Although you got Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent was a, was an insurance policy that I was interested in too. So, you know, there's, there's definitely more than one way to do it. Sure. Um, but yeah, taking, taking a break for me was definitely huge because I was, I was getting sucked in. I was like, oh, no, I really, I'm, this guy's not going to outbid me with Kyle <laughs> Anderson. Like, oh, maybe, maybe he should, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's actually fine. The formal, um, the formal was real. That, Joel. I mean, that does shit. Dude. I can't believe that I got through it mostly unscathed. You know, I guess we'll, well, the, the scoreboard will tell me how unscathed I was, but, uh, but yeah, I, that actually, that sort of leads into, uh, sort of the last thing that I had marked here, which is that if you find yourself in a position where you're, where you're short stacked against, um, you know, or you can look around and you can see that some of the players in the room have bigger budgets left than you do. And you can sort of see that everyone's kind of, uh, I said this about Vanderbilt, but like sort of shielding him or like trying to get as much money out before, um, before that nomination comes up. So maybe you can get him. If you are not the big stack, you should throw that guy. Cause that was a thing that, that you and I were yeah. joking about regularly in this was that I sort of realized that I, after buying Barnes and Murray and Collins and Portis, I felt like that was sort of a, a big pile of money. And I was trying to flush out as much of it as I could. So I was just sort of scrolling. I'm just going like, who, I was playing a game with myself, like who is the most expensive player that I could nominate here? And then going right to it. And that was the Wiseman nomination. That was the Jalen Smith nomination that I was interested in doing. It was, if you're in a position where you're, you're trying to hold out to, to make these big buys on these remaining players, but you can look around and see where your stack of money is. If you're not going to, you're not going to be able to catch that guy with a bigger stack, nominate that guy now and flush that money out so that your stack relative to the rest of the room will come up. I mean, I feel like that there is some gamesmanship in actual draft sort of etiquette and profile here. No, definitely. Um, you know, you kind of alluded to it, like in terms of, uh, you know, poker, uh, there was, Definitely more strategy near the end, uh, near the end game. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of like the, uh, the auction advice articles, you know, they kind of like focus on more of the beginning. I, I don't know how much strategy there, there is. I mean, yeah, there is, right? But I mean, not, not really, right? Because I mean, okay, you can nominate. I don't know, whatever. Either nominate Trey Young or Drew Holiday or whatever, right? I mean, what's the, like, we all know what the price is going to be, right? So, you know, like, like, yeah. I think everyone knows what, like, the fair market value is, right? So there's, like, there's really not so much games going to be played there. It doesn't really illuminate, 
uh, too much in terms of like um, getting a read on, on people and things like that, right? Where a lot of the strategy and gamemanship comes is later, right? When the money is tight and like you can't afford to just throw out anybody, right? Like, um, especially in the end end game, right? But, you know, if you're going to sense, you know, put out like a dollar or two dollars, like it means, it means something, right? I mean, and then, you know, then like a lot of mind games can come in. Like if you kind of get, a, if you've been battling with someone in particular, right, then it could be like, well, he thinks that I think that he thinks that I know that he, you know, right. Then it goes into that. But yeah, you know, there's like, there's more, I guess, um, uh, you know, I guess more consequence to your actions, I guess, um, uh, you know, like price enforcing, you know, like that's the thing. It's easy to price enforce when you have unlimited budget, when you have all the money, right? So it really doesn't mean much, right? But, you know, price enforcing near the middle or end game, like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that really means, means something, right? Like you, you know, someone really, you know, like anybody can bluff on, on the flop, right? You know, but, you know, do you have enough balls to bluff on the turn? And then, you know, do you have balls to turn, you know, on the, on the river when you have nothing, right? Like that's, you know, that's what it comes down to, you know? So like, um, yeah, when it gets to the end, like, you know, hell shit, you know, a lot, a lot of gamesmanship. Yeah, a lot, a lot of gamesmanship. So yeah, I'm with you. Well, it's a lot of gamesmanship, especially if you didn't save. You know? <laughs> if you, if you've got the big stack, then you can sort of do what you want to do. And, then, and I am uh, sincerely impressed by some of the discipline that I saw uh, some of these guys that we're playing with and just, you know, almost everyone is up against it um, as far as the hard cap, but not everybody. And I think that is going to be a huge advantage going forward. I think that, I think that the combination, I think that patience is probably the biggest, the biggest advantage that you can have in a draft like this. Um, and if you can pair patience with knowledge of the board, particularly like the deep end, it's better than gold. Like you can, you can sit and wait and get value because you know that it's there and you know what other people are going to be doing as far as rushing and getting, spending their money on what is perceived to be the last good player. And there's just, you know, we drafted the entire NBA in this thing. We drafted like literally all of the people here. So there, we drafted, there's definitely value. We drafted the six. We sure, and we're fucking thrilled about it, you know? <laughs> um, one thing um, I want to say is like, you know, like, because I know most of these guys here. Obviously, there's a few I don't know, but uh, a lot of the guys that I played in the other leagues, whether it be basketball or football or baseball, um, I mean, they all knew from experience, right? So if you look at all their budgets and their drafts, you know, those are the, the guys that were being patient, you know? So like, um, you know, we're not just like talking shit here. Like it's, you know, it's experience, right? Like, you know, I went through the heartache. You know, like all these other guys that were patient, like they patient for a reason because they experienced it. They've seen, they've seen what happens in a deep league and they've seen what is probably the plus EV way to go. Right. And so, you know, there's, there, there's a reason for that, you know, but um, I will say this, I was very impressed with the first timers that, you know, that were very, relatively patient too. I would consider you in, in that, you know, even though I felt like you, you know, you paid a lot for Barnes. Like you were very disciplined, very you know patient. Like you had the plan. Uh, Eric Jenicky, you know, like I, he said that he's had some you know experience with auctions, so that kind of makes sense. But uh, deep league, I don't know if he had experience, but yeah, he was super patient. You know, so there were there were a couple first timers that were very patient. Yeah, I like but his group. All in all, I would say 
most of the guys that yellowed it and you know like fomoed it um you know it's probably their you know first time you know this type of experience and they kind of got caught up uh in the hype uh and uh you know we'll see how it plays out but uh i feel like their road is going to be definitely more difficult than uh, a lot of others you know i'm not saying that it's going to be impossible for them to win no but uh you know the odd the probabilities are definitely lessened yeah so uh, it's funny because you know what how long do you think it before like buyers are more sedated was that like two days one one day or two days two days for, no, no, no. for, 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 for a lot of people else. that that went up to and paid like two you know two high price studs or three high price studs, like i think if we can scroll back yeah. in the chat and find when conversations about doing yeah, another yeah, that's, deep that's league it. redraft style that is the moment when people realize like oh yeah. <laughs> um for me personally uh almost immediately i was like that was probably too much for barnes i think i was um well that was, i'm just telling you what the yeah. feeling was i don't know if that was actually the reality but i um i put like a i think 57 was probably i think it might have been yeah. my max i think it was, whoever was bidding into me took me all the way to the limit um and so I set that max bid and then I just like, I was doing other things. I stepped away from the board. I was having a hard time dealing with like uh, how much intensity this board was, was how intensely it was pulling my attention. And so I was like, all right, let's go do some of the other things I need to do. Um, and so I wasn't watching it as Barnes came off. Um, and so I opened up the, the app and I looked at it and I was just like, well, 57 is a watch. <laughs> I think immediately I felt like I'm going to have to be smart from here on yeah. out. I'm, I, it's a lot of money. It's a really big boulder to work around when it comes to roster construction. It's a, it's a boulder that comes early. You know, it's, this isn't, this wasn't a bad buy late. Um, like trying to, like trying to hold on to a $9 Kyle Anderson would have been. Um, but I'm fortunate that I made the mistake, not the mistake. I, I made the choice early enough that I could recover from it. Um, and so it was almost immediate for me. I was just like, well, okay, you, the the fuck around time is over now. Like you, you really got to make sure that you're doing that. You've thought out what happens next. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, um, I, I think what you were talking about before, uh, about you can sort of see the experience level in, in how this played out ties into my, the last thing that I want to talk about with this, um, it's kind of a goofy question, but you know, I went, went on a bike ride and thought about it. And so, um, what do you think that the team that you drafted here, which we have, we never did the roster. So I'll just run okay. through it really quickly. Um, the LA stars, son, Anthony Simons, D'Angelo Russell, Franz Wagner, Sadiq Bay, Alperin Shangun, Cole Anthony, Aaron Gordon, Walker Kessler, Goga Batadze, O'Shea Brissett, campaign kessler edwards who i wanted and you got and gabe vincent what do you think that roster says about you as someone who is playing a lot of fantasy basketball i'm an ageist i'm a pedophile oh my god um, cut I'm, this we never mind podcast is <laughs> over we'll see you later I'm, I'm fiscally responsible uh uh you know i i think um just probably, you know, more experienced. Um, you know, I think like I'm not, you know, I'm no expert by any means. 
right? I'm just like, I'm just some dude that writes shit, you know, Razzball, like in my mom's basement. Um, I just enjoy writing, right? And I, I will never claim to be an expert. I love playing games though, right? And I love drafting. Um, I do think one of my strengths though is that uh, I will eventually learn. Um, you know, I'll, I'll bang my head against the brick wall, but eventually <laughs> it might take me thousands of times. But, you know, no, I, I feel like I'm pretty quick with, you know, figuring out things and, and kind of adapting and changing. And so, um, you know, I, I think I've done a lot of auction drafts, especially deep auction drafts to the point where uh, I have a good semblance of, of an idea of uh, what I want to do like what I feel is optimal, you know, what I feel is, is plus EV. Um, over the years, uh, I think just in general, um, you know, I do think that I'm more mature, you know, like emotionally, especially, uh, you know, when I was younger, like I was definitely, you know, I had the fanatics and fan, right? Like I would get so tilted over everything, right? Throw remotes at TV, you know, just things like that, just, just bad. And like, you know, I think, you know, I actually think that, uh, you know, trading, you know, I mean, that that pretty much like really honed my, I guess, my perspective and my emotional discipline because like, uh, you know, like, like you can't, you can't operate, you can't focus, you can't make the right decision when you're on tilt, right? Like I realized it too playing poker too, yeah. but trading really, like that really exposed me as a person and it like, you know, you lose a lot of money, then like you got to figure out why, right? And and it sucks, right? So, um, you know, I think that's translated to to uh, fantasy sports as well. Um, you know, I, I I don't get tilted. You know, it's uh, you know, I just try to do like just I just try to take care of you know what I can take care of. Uh, just try to make the best decisions and you know like have a plan, like map out a plan and then execute it. If the plan turns out to be shit, then so be it. But, you know, at least, yeah, at least I had a plan. Um, and at least I, I felt like I took control of what I could, you know, take control of. Like a lot of times I would spend useless energy on, you know, worrying about, you know, ah, oh, this fucking guy got injured or this guy, you know, had this happened to that or, you know, the rain, the game got postponed. Like, I, like it's just a waste of energy, right? Because those are things that are out of your control. And like, so... You know, like yeah. it's an existential question that you ask. You know, so like, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I just feel like, you know, like karma comes around. Like, you know, you you'll experience bad luck or whatever. Like things may not go well, but you know, as, as long as you keep doing the right thing and your process is sound and you keep trying to uh, work on the process, try to get that process better. You know, to learn to continue to learn and grow, uh, adapt. You know, figure out like. Uh, you know, if there are other things that you can improve on, things that you could change, you know, things, as long as you keep doing that and you feel like you're making the right decisions and, and doing the right thing, you know, whether, whether people believe in good luck or bad luck, I don't know, but I feel like all that shit evens out eventually, right? Yeah. So it's just a matter of like, just, you know, just staying on the path and, and doing it. And then, um, you know, you keep doing it. And if you're diligent enough with it and, you know, the game doesn't kill you, uh, you know, at some point you will get rewarded for it. You know, that's, yeah, that's the way I look at it. So, um, wow. yeah. What about you? I'm actually interested and very, very interested, uh, in, in, in your answer to this. 
Yeah, well, I mean, as a narcissist, like, you know, this question was first asked to me by me. So, um, but, you know, I, cause I, I've been thinking about like, I've been thinking about sort of the, the trajectory, um, that I've been on as a, as a guy playing fantasy basketball, you know, a somewhat more competitive level than the home leagues that I was, that I started out playing in. And, you know, we talked about this on earlier pods, but like, I was a guy that was, winning home leagues because I was reading you and I, I felt like I was getting good information from Rasball. I was operating at an information advantage to my teammates or my league mates. Um, and then as, after I reached out and I sort of joined the community, I was um, that first year that just went really poorly and I didn't like that. And so I, I started trying to learn more about how do you do this? I was thinking about Giuseppe a lot during yeah. this draft and not, uh, not just because I punted centers and thought like I can get my blocks from uh, different positions during the, the, the roster. It's not just the one Walker Kessler. It's, you know, Carnes and Collins and McGee and all the, all the way down. But um, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to, to sort of figure out how I can get better at this. And I think that with this roster of mine, which I'll read off now, um, Jamal Murray, Trey Jones, Scotty Barnes, Jeremy Sohan, John Collins, Bobby Portis, Contavious Caldwell Pope, JaVale McGee, Jackson Hayes, Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen, Akeel Alexander Walker, who I'm pretty keen on, Reggie Bullock, and Nimaeus Queta. What this roster shows, says to me about the person who drafted it, is that there's still some, some, strides to make here. I think that the Barnes overpay is damning. Um, it, it shows that there was a lack of patience. It shows that there was a lack of discipline early. Um, but the rest, the rest of the roster shows someone that is trying to figure it out. That isn't just sort of like charging forward and that, um, you know, my, the, the depths, the depth of knowledge that I've been able to add to, over the course of the last three years um, is real. Like the, the, the transformation from what was happening in that first year in the Raz Jam where I came in feeling like I was easy money and then did everything I could to prove it. Um, that's not how I'm approaching this anymore. Um, I, I have a lot more sort of understanding of how I'd like to build a team and, and really building a, a, it with through guys that I think do things that I think are valuable. Um, and just being able to to know more about the pool it was such a huge advantage. Just like believing in myself that I know that there are players down there that aren't that don't play for the Warriors or the Kings that you can get yeah. value from. Um, it, it shows it shows me a roster of a guy who has figured some things out, but not all of them. Um, but I uh, I'm really excited about this league, man. I think it will be a blast the draft was intense i'm glad it's over <laughs> i know you were you're a junkie and you're in one right now so uh good luck and godspeed with that but yeah those those are my thoughts on on this 30 team draft do you have anything else that you want to add man i want to draft again i mean like you know you're in I, one no, now no Stop but it. like a 12 team is is whatever right <laughs> like okay so another reason why you know I created this league is because I wanted to experience it, experience the draft again. Because that first 30 team hoops draft, man, 
I mean, I was thinking about it for months after. Like it was, the experience was was unbelievable. Like even though like it was so intense, didn't get much sleep. You know, you're waking up at two in the morning, making sure your bids, you know, go through, and then you start trying to like get on tilt because somebody outbid you, and then you gotta wait another eight hours. Like, um, you know, I, I I came out of the draft with PTSD, but also, I also had you know some of the, you know, most vivid memories, and it was just so exciting. It was just so much fun. Um, and I think, you know, this particular draft, it actually went by faster than, than I remember the other one. It, did. it went faster yeah. than I thought it would. Uh, so I, I actually think that was because, uh, there was like the group of guys that we had in this one, like everything, they were on top of everything. Right. So I think that definitely helped with the speed of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the experience was, it was so much fun. I just love these, especially like nothing can replicate a 30 team auction draft, a slow auction draft. No, nothing can. It's just, it's so much fun. So like if, you know, anybody's listening to this, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, you know, like, so I, I'll give some shout outs. Um, you know, I do want to give a shout out to couch managers. Um, you know, I've used that site many, many times now. It's phenomenal. I mean, they're able to handle everything. Uh, so if, you know, anyone wants to set up a, a, a 30 teamer or whatnot, like I, you know, I definitely recommend, you know, heading over there. Um, just it's a really, really great, fun experience. The interface looks kind of a little ghetto, but you know, that's kind of the, the allure yeah. of it. Uh, is great. And then, uh, I believe like, uh, FBI basketball, I think they have uh, a lot of deep, uh, auction. Well, I don't know if they have options, but they have deep leagues there. So, you know, go check those out. But yeah, I mean, you know, forget it. Let's just send this league and let's just redraft. Let's just start. Let's start a new one. Let's just keep sending the league and just redraft it. No, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing the redraft league. I'm not doing this one again. I like this group. I want this group yeah, to go yeah. win. Let's let's sim. I if you can if you can guarantee me a championship after the end of the sim, maybe you can talk me into it. But um, yeah, it's a good league, man. I'm excited about where it goes from here. Grateful to be a part of it. Um, grateful that we can get back to talking hoops again, man. It's it was uh, it's crazy. I know it's great. It really, really is. Uh, hold up, hold up. Appreciate your no, time, no, always, man. Uh, thank you. This was great. Riding shotgun was 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 amazing. Uh, it was good to, you know, we haven't potted in a while, so it was good to get on the pod again. You, I mean, you did a great job, you know, taking the reins. Um, I think you have a, a future in this. Uh, be, but before we sign off, um. You know, Joel has a bachelor party this weekend. Uh, he's going to get married, you know, have a formal ceremony. So uh, anyone listen to this, you know, tip your glass up, you know, give him a salute, um, you know, wish him well wishes and, and all that good stuff uh, to the missus as well. So, um, you know, thanks again for your time, Joel. Uh, it was amazing experience with the draft. It was amazing talking to you. It was, you know, really cool getting your perspective you know, getting your thoughts on the draft, especially since it was, you know, since you popped your cherry in this one. Um, so, yeah, okay, so for you to to end it, just your overall experience, insights, anything about, you know, this this draft, what, uh, yeah, what would you like to tell the peoples? I think, I think for your first one, you just got to experience it. I would, when you invited me into doing this, I, uh, was intrigued and a little overwhelmed. And I don't, 
there are things that you can do to prep. Like you can try to learn the player pool. You can try to have a, a feel for the rookie class that's coming in or whatever. You can listen to podcasts like these and get some general strategy, but it really, it's, um, it's a very unique experience. If you're someone that enjoys playing fantasy basketball, 12, 14 team, bigger than that, this is an entirely different animal. It's a, it's a way of drafting that I've never drafted before. Um, maybe a way of drafting that I'll never draft again, but it's, um, it's a very, it's a worthwhile thing to pursue if you are hardcore hoops head doing, uh, doing fantasy basketball. It is, um, it's how I've always played like 2k. It's I've always done fantasy drafts and build that way. And, and getting to do it with this is, uh, it was really fun, man. I, I'm excited about getting to sleep through the night again. I'm excited about like my brain doing other things, but um, yeah, I, I'm grateful to be a part of it. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll win this fucker, you know? Good luck, sir. <laughs> Likewise to you too. And, and good luck to all of our league mates yeah, as well. Uh, I appreciate no, they, them they, they were awesome. doing what they yeah, did. They were, and... they were awesome. Great group of guys. Uh, hopefully we can all uh, stick around together and just kind of this, uh, grow with this baby and uh, see where see where it takes us. So, all right, man, we're uh, coming up on two hours. So, thank you very much for your time. Love Yo, have much. a good uh, have a good uh, you know. Well, well, are you going on honeymoon or no? So the sequence is all fucked up because we got we had a very small ceremony last yeah. September. Um, I'm going to I'm going back to California for my yeah. bachelor party, which will be super fun. Um, and then we'll come back and then we'll do the big wedding where yeah. everyone's invited and then we'll do honeymoon, uh, late September. So right. the sequence of events for this wedding, for these nuptials are kind of goofy, but, uh, we'll do okay. them all, you know, whatever. Cool. Congratulations again, sir. Thank you. I appreciate all right, man. It. Take, Take it easy. Fun. Later.